Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, beloveds. This is the day that the Lord has made. And of course, we rejoice and we are glad in the blessing of the day. I greet you today as always with Jesus' joy and with Holy Ghost happiness. To God be the glory for all that he is doing in our lives. I pray and trust as always that everyone is well, everyone is blessed, everyone is safe. We thank God for this opportunity and this privilege to gather virtually on another Tuesday to walk through God's word together. I pray and trust by now you've got your handout. It's the exact same handout from last week um, as we began our study of chapter 16 of the book of Leviticus as we dealt with the Day of Atonement. Um, We're going to pick that lesson up. We only got to maybe the first five verses last week. We're going to pick that lesson up and continue to walk through the Word of God. Get your Bibles, get your note-taking material, get your lesson handout, and let's get ready to walk through God's Word together. I want to invite you now to bow your heads with us. Let's take a moment. Let's just pray. God, in Jesus' name, I say thank you for this opportunity and this privilege to come before your people, God. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love toward us, God. Thank you for how you think of us, even when we don't think of you or ourselves, God. We are so grateful and so thankful. Now, God, as I stand before your people, even in this studio, I pray now, God, for clarity of speech and clarity of thought. I want to be found rightly dividing your word before your people. Speak to me. Speak through me. Let no flesh be on parade, God. Let it be all of you, none of me, to the point that when this preaching, this teaching moment is over, when we have completed our walk through this word, we will be better people. I love you for it so much now, God, and I thank you for this chance. Bless us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray, we praise, and we proclaim. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be all the glory. Certainly grateful and thankful to be able to connect with you. And uh, we're going to get right into it. We're going to pick up where we left off on last week. Uh, Last week, we began our discussion of Leviticus chapter number 16 as we dealt with the fourth standard uh, that is coming from the book of Leviticus. We're looking at the standard of forgiveness, the standard of new beginnings. Um, Quick review of what we left off with or where we left off last week. Quick review. We dealt with uh, the priestly preparation uh, for the atonement on last week. And we said a few things last week as it related to um, Aaron approaching God um, in this moment of atonement. He made sure that he understood and we understood that we must approach God correctly. We got to come before his presence correctly. We've got to come right. Um, and there's, there's no other way to put it. We just got, we got to make sure that when we approach the presence of God, when we approach God's power, we must come before him correctly. Um, we can't have a strange fire. Amen. Uh, we talked about that last week. If you remember, we dealt with that last week. That was one of the things that took place, um, causing Nadab and Abihu's life to be ended so suddenly because they presented a strange fire in a holy place. I need y'all to catch that. They presented a strange fire in a holy place. And so God said to Aaron, being the central figure, look, I need you to make sure that you come before me correct. 
Tell, tell Aaron, Moses tells Aaron, verse two, tell him, don't come into the holy place. Don't come inside the veil. Don't come before the mercy seat that is on the ark or else he'll die. And he made it clear. He said, look, I will appear. And when I appear, that's when you know that the time is right. So what, what we should gather from that was even the priests had to approach God correctly. People of God, if we want to witness God's power and God's presence like never before, we got to make sure that it's not our agenda that's being carried out. We got to make sure that we're flowing in his power, his plan, his program. Not our will, but his will has got to be done. So not only must we approach him correctly, we said last week that we also had to approach him at the right time, which led us into verses three, four, and five last week. If you remember, that's where we left off as we dealt with understanding God's instructions. And that's what we're going to pick up today. We're going to pick up dealing with God's instructions as it relates to the atonement, the day of atonement. Remember last week, I referenced verse 29 of this chapter. And in chapter 16, verse 29, that was the place where God declared that one day each year, the people were to gather together and carry out these instructions that he gives that we're going to dive into today. So uh, we want to take a look at that. Let's, let's quickly review what we looked at last week. We looked at verses three, four, and five last week in looking at and making sure that we understood that God said he would appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Okay. In other words, that small space, that gold cover over the ark was where God would enter. And when he entered there, he was not, Aaron was not supposed to even enter the holy place until he had first presented himself clean. All right. Presented himself clean. God would decide who would enter his throne room and under what circumstances they were to enter. And in keeping with God's demand for purity, Aaron had to be the first one to offer sacrifices for himself and his family. That's found in verses three through six. We left off at verse five. I'm going to read verse six here in just a moment, and then we're going to travel through. Because once you get that, then you begin to understand the rest of the rituals based on God's instructions. As we looked at it last week, we talk about the priest. It should read verses three through six. And then letter B for the people begins at verse seven um, through verse 19. And then we'll wrap up dealing with verses 20 through 22. Here's a word that you're going to hear me use a great deal today. The word is scapegoat. We're going to see that a great deal today um, as we look through the word of God. Um, verses 7 through 10, we'll take a look at. And then when we get to verse 11, we're going to see how God is going to begin to make some things happen in this day of atonement. So let's, let's, let's dive right in, beloveds. Let's dive right in and let's get some understanding of the word of God. Let's, let's look at it. Um, Leviticus chapter six, 
Uh, let's begin verse 16, chapter 16. Let me get it together today. Leviticus chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. We're going to read um, down. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to read the entire passage through verse 19. Uh, that will help us set the tone uh, for what we're going to talk about here for just a moment. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 6 through 19 from the English Standard Version, we find these words recorded. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. There it is. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him, to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take the, of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation. Look again at verse 17. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar round about and he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hollow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Now, people of God, one of the things that I want to make sure that you understand, if we could go back and just remind ourselves of a couple of things we talked about last week. Remember last week we said that the Day of Atonement was one of the most holiest of days as it relates to the Jewish calendar. 
So the emphasis here of the atonement is not necessarily the necessity of the sin, but more so so that the sin or the people of God could be forgiven of their sin and reconciled or brought back to a right relationship with God. In other words, the atonement allowed mankind after sin to be placed at one mint with God. It was a moment to reconcile, to reunite, to reunify man with God. It cleanses man of his sin so that he could be reunited with a holy God. I would that you would see the play on words that I just did with the word atonement. Atonement, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. Basically, is the process that sets man, look at this, at one-ment with God. Did y'all see it? Atonement at one-ment. A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. It is the procedure, it is the process that God has established with mankind to have a renewal or a reconciliation or a repaired, a restored relationship with him after he has sinned, all right? Last week, we dealt with Aaron, Aaron being the central figure, being the, the one at the center. The first six, seven verses of the chapter deal with Aaron, making sure, this is where we left off last week, that before Aaron could represent God's holiness before the people, Aaron had to make sure that his life, his sins were covered. That's one of the reasons why, as we looked at it last week, God made it abundantly clear to him last week, as God told Moses, tell Aaron not to come into this place. Don't come in before me any kind of way. Don't approach my presence any kind of way. Because if you approach me wrong, you will die just like your sons. Your sons lost their lives because they approached my presence wrong. People of God, I pray that you will see the revelation that he's trying to get us to see. Even as priests, the priests must make sure that they are properly positioned, properly purified. I believe I shared it with you last week. If I didn't, I'll share it with you now. I would be out of order if I approached this sacred desk even in this studio, to teach God's word with a wrong spirit. You know, oftentimes this is what happens. We approach God with our own contrary spirits. Our spirits are out of line. Our spirits are out of whack. That's why prayer is so important for us as a believer. That's why seeking God is so crucial, okay? Because if we were to, here's an analogy that I once uh, read. Matter of fact, it was given by a pastor, um, Pastor Vic Folkert, um, who is a Presbyterian pastor, gave this illustration. He says, if your computer or your phone is running slow or acting strangely, the first thing we think is it's either a virus or malware. Do we have poor connection? He said, what do we do? In most cases, they tell us that we should first reboot the computer. 
He said, if reboot doesn't work, then you've got to recover the computer. All right. He said that if we were to apply that to our lives spiritually, he said that malware causes us to slow up is sin. He said it builds up like a toxin. It builds up in our lives. It builds up in our Christian communities. It builds up even in the church. Malware. And anytime malware is attached itself to a computer, you've got to deal with that malware before the malware gets to the hard drive, which contains the memory of the computer. And if that malware affects the hard drive, the first thing that's got to be done is you've got to clean the computer of the malware so that you can attempt to recover and reboot. People of God, if I could put it this way, beloveds, please understand that oftentimes our lives need that moment of reboot. We need that moment of restoration. We need that moment of, of revitalization because there's been something that has attached itself to us that causes us to move in a way that God is not glorified. Is it making sense, beloved? We got to learn how to deal with sin. And that's the whole point of this particular chapter. God gives instructions of how mankind, his chosen nation, dealt with sin. The reality of it is, beloveds, we can try to ignore it, but sin won't go away. We can try to deny it. We can try to excuse it. We can try to lie about it. We can try to blame others. We can even try to live in denial that it is not there. But the reality of it is, beloved, if it's there, it needs to be dealt with. Some things cannot be ignored. I talked about that uh, last Thursday in the last Thursday's Bible study, New Testament Bible study of understanding that even the people, the nation of Israel had to deal with Miriam in Numbers chapter 12. We'll be getting there pretty soon where actually the same one that was the strong proponent for Moses and that was pushing Moses and the people into the promised land. By the time we get to Numbers chapter 12, she's got a different spirit on her over Moses's wife to the point that Moses is given instructions and Miriam, his own sister, is complaining. Who does Moses think he is? Moses must act like he's the only one that hears from God. Amen. We got to deal with it. What is it that we must deal with? Well, Dr. Folkert says, just like a computer needs to reboot when malware sets into the computer, sometimes our lives need to be rebooted when sin sets into our hearts. We need to get the sin out. We need to clear out. We need to renew our connection. We need to renew our spirit. We need to be like David was in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. The word atonement, we talked about this last week. In Hebrew, simply means to ransom, to remove by paying a price. It's the process of restoring a right relationship between a sinful man and a holy God. 
In other words, atonement is the spiritual reboot that takes place in our lives, helping us to get back in a right relationship with God. In other words, our sin has offended God, and that sin that has offended God has to be dealt with so that the relationship with God can be restored. So that's what we see. That's what we see as we look here in Leviticus chapter 2, chapter 16, um, we see this here, all right? Here it is. Here it is. Look at the illustration of verses uh, 6 through 19. Remember, we've already talked about verse 6 is a part of Aaron's consecration moment. Aaron had to make sure he was correct before he approached God. He had to make sure there were detailed instructions in verses 7 through 10. In verses 7 through 10, there were detailed instructions. The Israelites had camped out in the wilderness of Sinai. God lived among them with the physical focus of his presence being the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a holy place, and the most holy place in the tabernacle was behind a curtain that was called the Holy of Holies. Y'all remember we talked about this in the latter part of Exodus. It was there that God appeared in the cloud above the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark represented the Ten Commandments, all right? It represented the presence of God, all right? So since God is holy, he says to Aaron, look, you can't approach me any kind of way because I am holy. It is dangerous for you to come before me in the presence of God. Now, if you remember, this is not the first time and this is not the only time I should say that we see this. Go with me quickly to Isaiah chapter six. In Isaiah chapter six, you remember when Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above him were seraphims. There were two that covered his face, two covered his feet. With two he did fly, right? Isaiah said that when he saw that, he could not help but declare, woe is me. Verse 5, Isaiah 6, verse 5, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, because mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. God provided a way, one day a year, for the high priest to enter the holy place on behalf of God's people. And in verses 7 through 10, he gives the instructions. He gives the instructions. In verses 1 through 6, the priest covers himself. The priest had to bathe. We talked about this a little bit last week. The priest had to bathe. He had to dress in holy garments that God provided. And then in verse 6, we see where he had to provide and sacrifice a bull for his own sin. The holy place the holy place, we just read it, had to be filled with the smoke of holy incense so that the high priest would not see the fullness of God's glory. All right? What are you saying to us, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. 
This goes back to what we talked about last week. When you approach God, you've got to approach God the right way at the right time. You just can't come before God any kind of way and offer God any kind of thing. And God made it clear to Moses, tell Aaron that if he does this, he's going to die. I think we need to see how serious being in God's presence really is. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to leave the lesson for half a minute and say this to help somebody who is still caught up in this thought process of thinking that you're okay. You know, we, we are, let me, let me put it like y'all can feel it. We have health, we have strength, we have ability to go everywhere else we want to go. But then when it comes to church, all we have is excuses. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. God has given you health and strength. You can go to the doctor. You should go to the doctor. You can go to the grocery store. You should go to the grocery store. You know, you, you can go and, and, and visit with family and friends, not taking anything away from that. But you must understand that it doesn't look right when God is the last thing on the list. But he made you top priority by sending his son Jesus into the world to die for you. Amen. Amen. So yet God has provided a way. God continues to provide a way. Even when we sin, he gives us an opportunity. And I want to make this live in relation to New Testament. Because the question that would come up is, well, pastor, this was for the Old Testament Jews. How does this compare with us today? I am so glad you asked. According to the book of Hebrews, there was a high priest who stood on our behalf. And instead of us having to gather one time a year for the season of atonement, he became our atonement once and for all. I shared it with you last week. Let me share it with you again. Romans chapter 5, verse 11. Romans chapter 5, verse 11. I'm going to read it one more time. I shared it last week. Let me share it again. Romans chapter 5, verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. King James Version actually uses the word, the atonement. We have received the atonement. Through Jesus Christ, we have received the reboot that removes the spiritual malware called sin from our lives. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. So now with the way open, the sins of the high priest atoned for, the high priest can now make atonement for all the people. That's where we pick up, beginning at verse number seven. That's where we pick up, and we see what takes place. We see what takes place. We said last week, um, and I'm going to put it back up on the screen here. We said last week that first of all, the first atonement had to be for the priest, the second, and we're dealing with today, has to deal with the people. Beginning at verse 7, we see the process, the instructions. 
what are the instructions? Well, according to uh, verse number six, the instructions have to do with two goats. The high priest makes atonement by taking two goats. One goat will be killed. The other goat escapes death. Lord, I wish y'all would catch this. I declare if you catch it, it'll bless you. Goat number one is slaughtered as a sin offering. All right? Remember, that's what we talked about when we looked at the last uh, chapters of Exodus, when we dealt with the offerings. The sin offering is there to basically recognize and expose the fact that we understand that we have sinned. Goat one was slaughtered as a sin offering. It was there to atone for the sins of all the people. It was the payment. The high priest goes before the most holy place, sprinkles the blood uh, on the goat, on the atonement cover, to make atonement for the most holy place because of the rebellion of the Israelites, because of their own wrongdoing, right had to be made. Then he comes out. Let's, let's look at it. It's right here. It's right here. Verse, verse 11, he presents the bull for the sin offering for himself, makes atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. Look at verse 12. And then he takes a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. God is very specific. He's very specific. In order for you to connect with me, you've got to come before me right. And even though it was one day a year, the principle still is applied for us now, beloveds. If we're going to approach God, we got to come before him right. We got to come before him correctly. You just can't come before him any kind of way. You got to realize that we are sinful people. We all have sinned. We all have come short of God's glory. But aren't you glad the word of God says that when we confess our sin, 1 John, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, David, help me out. Won't God give you another chance when you approach him correctly? After sleeping with Bathsheba and committing sin with Bathsheba, killing Uriah, putting him on the front line, trying to cover up what he had done with Bathsheba. And then here comes the prophet telling him what he had done. And he tells him that man should be stoned. Hey, David, you the man, Psalm 51 comes into play. Have mercy upon me, O God, with all of your loving kindness, with the multitude of your tender mercies. Look what he says. Blot out my transgressions. Why? I acknowledge I've messed up. I acknowledge I've done wrong. I acknowledge my sin before you. I acknowledge that before you and you alone have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. So God, I'm asking you, purge me with hyssop so that I will be clean. Wash me, God, 
so that I will be whiter than snow. Create in me, God, a clean heart. This is the process of atonement. The process of atonement simply says, I expose the sin, I experience salvation, and then I understand what happens when my life is sanctified. So God is basically saying to Moses, tell Aaron, look, when he approaches me on behalf of the people, he's got to approach me correctly. Amen. The tabernacle, the ark, the altar are cleansed and restored and rebooted for another year. That's why God said in verse 34, this will be a statue. As a matter of fact, um, jump down with me real quick. I'll come back and cover it again, but look at me verses 32 and 33 real quick in Leviticus 16. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as the priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once a year because of all their sin. And Aaron did as Moses commanded. See, here's the good news, beloved. We just talked about it. You know, atonement is much like a reboot does to a computer. It gets all of the viruses out. It cleans out the malware. It gets rid of those things that would seek to attack the hard drive and the memory of the computer, thus stopping its function. Ever so often, beloveds, we need to approach God and ask God, reboot us, God. Create in us clean hearts. Remove the, vi the viruses. Get rid of the malware of sin that would cause us to lose sight of our right relationship with you. Amen. See, we don't have to do it like they did it because it has already been done for us. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. A couple of passages of scripture. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. Then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Both of them pretty much let us know that through Jesus, we have received our atonement once and for all. Whereas the blood of goats and bulls did it for the Old Testament believers, it was the blood of Jesus Christ that restored our broken connection with God. Christ did it. Amen. Christ did it. Christ did it. And because Christ did it, we now have a new relationship. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I quoted it earlier. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But look at it. It doesn't stop there. He will also cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. See, see the reality of it is this, y'all. We can't get past our sins. We can't get over it. We hold feelings of guilt and shame over it. You know, we've been forgiven, but we let the guilt of it keep us in a holding pattern. 
Christ is our atonement. He has made us at one mint with God the Father. So that's what happens with goat number one. All right? But now let's see what happens with goat number two. All right? Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at verses 20 through uh, 22. Verses 20 through 22. Let's look at them real quick. All right? And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place, now the tabernacle is cleansed. It has been made right. The tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, goat number two, right? And shall confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Did y'all see this? And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go of the goat in the wilderness. All right, so now here's the second goat. Remember now, we've already talked about it. We got two. One is being offered as a sin offering for Aaron and the people. We've looked at that. All right. So now look at what the word says. Verse 21 says that the high priest lays both of his hands on the scapegoat. He confesses over the goat. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. All the wickedness and the rebellion of the Israelites. English Standard Version says he confesses over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions, and all of their sins. He puts all of that on the head of the goat. Now, you got to think about this. The Israelite nation was well over two million in, in, in number, and that was two million men, not counting women and children. So this was anywhere between two to six million people. Mm. But look at what happens. All of the sin, all of the confessions, all of the transgressions, rather, were confessed and laid upon that goat. And it was laid upon his head. That's a lot of weight. And then, according to the word of God, look at what happens. A fit man, a fit man shall send him away into the wilderness. He releases him into the desert never to return. Here it is, y'all. The picture is clear. Can I paint the picture for us and make it live for us today? Psalm 103, verse number 12. In Psalm 103, my God, time is flying. Psalm 103, verse 12. What does the word of God say? In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. Look at verse 11 and find out why. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who what? Fear him. See, see, you got to understand what this means for us. 
What does this mean, Pastor? What, 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 where is the revelation that we need to see? The two goats on the Day of Atonement represent two aspects of the reboot, based upon what Dr. Fulker said. One makes atonement for sin, which in case reboots or restarts or revives our relationship with God, while the other reboots us by removing our guilt. Mm. We removes our guilt. All right? So, so what, what's happening here? What's happening here? No goat can remove sin and guilt. Only God can do that. The son of God became a man. He who knew no sin became sin so that he could be the atonement for our sins and help us restart our right relationship. All right? The final task of his life on earth was for him to take our sins on his head. That way, by taking our sins on his head, Jesus removes our guilt, removes our shame. He brings us back to a right relationship. Mm-hmm. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at it real quick. I, 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 I told you all there was so much here that I needed to show you. Let's look at verses 1 through 11 real quick, real quick. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. Y'all see it? You see it? Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Lord have mercy. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What the goats could not do for us, Jesus did for us. Amen. Isaiah 53 verses 4, 5, and 6 says, Surely he took on our griefs and our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement, the punishment that he endured brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. In other words, my sin, your sins, 
the guilt of sin has been taken off of us and it was laid on he who was hung high, stretched wide for our sin. Amen. For our sin. We no longer need goats. We don't need goat number one because his blood was enough to cover our sins. We don't need goat number two because our guilt was permanently removed. And just like that goat ran into the wilderness never to return, people of God, I rejoice in telling you, the guilt of your sin was removed or is removed when you acknowledge Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price. That's why Hebrews tells us that we should draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, look at this, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pick up with verse 23 and carry through the end of the chapter next week. Uh, there are two more things that I want to share and then a couple of life applications that I really want to share with us um, as we wrap up uh, this particular chapter. As I shared with you last week, there's so much here that deals with Old Testament um, actions, Old Testament instructions, but I have to make it live and apply it to New Testament times. If you're carrying a burden of sin, beloveds, a burden of guilt and shame, a burden of dark memories that oppress you, drag you down, here is the thing that you need to hold on to. In Jesus Christ, you have already received your atonement. Your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is gone. The word of God says, if you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. God is not slack concerning his promise toward his people. If God promised it, he will do it. And so, beloved, as we've come to the end of our time of sharing today, what a powerful, powerful lesson we've heard today in understanding that just as the goats covered the guilt, the shame, and the sin of mankind in the Old Testament Jews, Jesus Christ has become our scapegoat. The shedding of his blood removes our guilt, our shame, and places us at one mint with God. What a powerful, oh my God, that was so powerful, so powerful, so powerful. As always, beloved, if you have any questions from today's lesson, please take a moment to drop those questions in the comment section. Um, we are behind the scenes and we'll be more than happy uh, to answer your questions to the best of our ability based upon our study of Leviticus chapter 16. Next week, we'll wrap it up um, and then we'll be ready to move on to the next unit of study, the next standard of study uh, that is found in this particular work. I thank God for this opportunity and praise him as always for the privilege of being able to share with you in the way of announcements and reminders. Don't forget um, to the brothers tomorrow evening at six o'clock, brotherhood meeting is taking place. First of all, don't forget about prayer. 
on Wednesdays from 12 until 1 via the telephone conference line. Connect with us there. Uh, the Brotherhood will meet tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Male Chorus will rehearse immediately following. Um, Cyber Sunday School will be re-aired at 6 o'clock on tomorrow. And then on Thursday, join us for New Testament Word Walk um, as we continue our study of 1st and 2nd Timothy. We invite you to join us for that as well. Let's continue to keep all of the sick, all of the shut-in and our thoughts and our prayers. Let's continue to keep families whose hearts are sad in bereavement. Let's continue to keep them lifted as well. We would love to see you in worship. Amen. Um, if God gives you health and strength and closes you with a right mind, if you can get up and move around and put your clothes on, come on and join us in worship on this coming Sunday. Excited about what God is going to do and how God is going to do it. And it would only be enhanced by your presence and your praise. Would love to see you and would look forward to seeing you at that time. Let's prepare now to close with a word of prayer and uh, let's continue to keep everyone, let's continue to keep everybody in our prayers as we move forward. Gracious God, our Father, we say thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege to share your word with your people. God, I pray that all that has been done and said has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. God, thank you for loving us so much to become our atonement, to pay the sacrifice that we may be at one with the Father again. Keep us and we'll be kept. Bless us and we'll be blessed. Lead us, guide us, and direct us. Let everything we do say and think be found pleasing in your sight. This is my prayer. I offer it now in the name of he who was, he who is, and he who is to come, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. We pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Before I close today, the Lord is laying it heavy on my heart and my spirit. Before I close today, perhaps there may be someone who is tuned into this Bible study, whether Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening, perhaps you're watching a replay. And this lesson has helped you to see that someone has paid the price to not only remove your sin, but to remove the guilt and the punishment of sin. And you want to acknowledge him as being your Lord and Savior because of what he has done for you. Information is going to appear on the screens in just a moment as to how you may be found acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and how you can become a part of a ministry of faith that's going to help you grow in your relationship and your walk with God. If you're a sinner and need salvation, do know God is available, and he makes it available to you. All you've got to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. All you have to do is, wherever you are, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I sinned and have come short of your glory. I need you to forgive me. Give me another chance to make it right with you. Thank you, Lord, for dying on a cross for my sin and giving me a second chance at life. Help me to be what you need me to be. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, beloveds, and desire a walk with God, desire a closer walk with God, I want you to text me quickly, SJMBC Virtual, to the text code of 84576, 
And once you text it, a reply box is going to come back. It's going to ask for your name. It's going to ask for a phone number. And it's going to ask for an email address. We want to connect with you. We want to connect you with Minister Sonia, who heads up our Church Beyond Walls ministries. And so that she can reach out to you and pray with you and cover you and counsel you and give you next steps in your walk, in your new beginning with God. I thank God for this opportunity. We look forward to hearing from you. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer until next Tuesday. Be blessed, be safe, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.